0: reading is from Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 to 35 and you can follow follow along on page six in the bulletin if you'd like. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, Not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe to me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back, but he refused. until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you, unless you forgive your brothers or sisters from your heart.
1: Good morning to you again. I'm Yancey, one of the pastors here. Uh, past several weeks, we've been looking at Uh, Maybe some of the ingredients, some of the uh, subjects of a peacemaking community, how we can live together and how we can thrive together as a community. Uh, This morning, it is a privilege to uh, look at this topic of forgiveness Is one that is always and ever before us as we're in relationship with one another. And, you know, I've wrestled with this, with this uh, topic and with this passage this week. You know, it's a, it's a straightforward, simple passage, but there is some unrest in my own soul to see what God has here. And so I have to resort to some other scholars to get some ideas. But nonetheless, it taught me something, that this is a hard topic, the topic of forgiveness, and that it is, a, it is a very complex um, you know, in, in, in the history of the church, some have thought of just forgive, you know, someone harm you, just forgive them, point blank. But there's a wrestling, isn't there? There, there is a um, complexity to forgiveness that's a process and more than just, you know, being able to just forgive someone outright and make that quick turn of the heart. Uh, but that's what we know we can have through Jesus, but yet, yet again, it is a process so we could see together uh, maybe the harm done in our community, maybe some of the challenges we all face together, because if you have to turn the other cheek right, you do have to turn and face the person before you can turn to the other cheek. So there's something about the way that we maybe harm each other uh, intentionally or not, where we have to face uh, the depth of the brokenness and, and, the, and the hurt that we have together. And so we want to take a look at this, this topic and, the, and this passage this morning in all humility. But first, let us pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for bringing us here. And I do pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear what you have for us in this portion of your word. Because you are our rock and our redeemer. You're able uh, to give us an uplifted heart that we may live before you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever been involved in an investment club? Has one of your friends said, hey, this is, this is a great club to be involved in, and you can make a lot of money. It's easy, and it sounds too good to be true when that happens. And so, one of my friends invited me to join a club and to invest a, a large sum of money, I would say, uh, during the time when I was wickedly poor, and still still is, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> even more so then. Uh, invest in your money and to make more money uh, in this club. And so, he's someone that I really trusted, and so I was like, okay, I'll do it. He said, You're a friend, I'll do it. I'll, move into it and invest in this club and so he linked me up with the person who was the investor who was going to put our money uh, in wherever she was going to put it and to make more money and so there were some warning signs along the way that i ignored because you know my friend he's done his research he knows what's up with this club i trust him i trust that it will be okay and it turns out it was not okay I lost my money. Uh, There were some games that were being played. They wouldn't give me my money back. Uh, And I I just didn't know what to do. I called my friend. I said, hey, this club, man, they're not uh, fulfilling their requirements. They're not fulfilling what they promised that they would do. You know, I was motivated to join, but now I don't know what's going on. And so he just dismissed me. And I was hurt by that. Because there was a lot of Money on the line for me, and I put myself in his trust really. And then to be dismissed left me with some hurt. To forgive or not to forgive, right? This seems to be the question, but according to Jesus, that's not really a question that we can ask. The question is will we forgive our brother or our sister from our heart? So we know in in our family situations, in our home life, we have been hurt by parents even that have been well-meaning while trying to do good, doing their best as fathers and mothers. We have been hurt by brothers in our family, or sisters who cared about us and showed love to us that others did not. Even in our church community here, there have been unsettled, unsettling comments. There have been frustration. There has been slight judgment towards one another. There have been promises that have not been kept. I'm included in that. Hurts come from those inside of our church context. And those type of hurts can be the, can be the most damaging for us all. It can lead somebody to wonder, is this the place for me? Is this the church home that I signed up for? Do these people really have my back? We may expect it from a person who's not in the faith, right? But when it comes down to a member of the household of faith, we don't expect necessarily to be hurt. We're not naive. We know that will be some bumps and bruises, but talking about the depth of hurt that sometimes we experience. So even as Jesus has modeled From the cross, when he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We are still learning how to bridge the gap between us in order to make repairs through forgiveness. It can be difficult to forgive others, right? I remember in our first year of marriage, there are seasons of stonewalling. Stonewalling is when you don't talk to one another for maybe a day or two or a week or something like that. Uh, never went to two weeks, thank God. (laughs) Looking back on it now, I think to myself, how in the world did we go through several days without speaking to each other? Of course I thought I was vindicated, right? Because I felt hurt by something Crystal said, or a promise that I perceived was not kept. It was a deadly game of who would break the silence. The truth is, we all fall short, don't we? To meet the full extent of forgiveness, even when God has shown the full extent of his love to us. So we need some motivation. We need some motivation to overcome our fear and frustrations our hesitation to forgive at all costs. In Matthew 18, Jesus shares you know, this teaching on this subject. And so Matthew is, is writing to us. He's showing that God does graciously forgive us. You know, he he, he gives us the this story, this parable even. Verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. The king represents God here as he calls his people to account for their sin, as he extends his mercy to us, but then he requires us to in turn show mercy. So through God's dealing with his people, we have seen these, this model of forgiveness throughout his word. We look at Psalm 103, David writes, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is my love, his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. God is standing, his love, his mercy. Even in Psalm 130, we see, David writing here, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Even in Isaiah, God begs us to come, to come, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So through Jesus we see that God has settled the accounts with his people. How will we now live in light of Jesus' teachings here on how the church community is to forgive one another as God does? So Matthew is focusing on the theme of the discourse here, you know, of the relationships between members of a community. So right for us, because we're a community. We focus on that a lot here. So he turns to the important reality of forgiveness. He highlighted the theme earlier in chapter 6, verse 12. In In the prayer, Jesus taught us how to pray, commonly called the Lord's Prayer, and forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors. Then again in chapter 6, verses 14 through 15 For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. As one scholar put it, forgiveness would be a necessity whenever human beings exist together as disciples. Forgiveness among members of the community is to know no limits. It is clear from the parable of the unforgiven servant that one who has been forgiven must in turn forgive others. And it is not in allegorizing to interpret this parable as portraying God's forgiveness of the members of the community as the model for their forgiveness of one another. Disciples are the forgiven to forgive. And as God's forgiveness is inexhaustible, so too must disciples cultivate their ability to renew their forgiveness of others again and again and again, cultivating this forgiveness. So the Lord graciously shines his light through this passage to bring us to the knowledge that we must forgive to the fullest extent. That we, we should be corrected to be motivated through this passage to forgive. And that we will see the heart of forgiveness through this passage as well. The extent of forgiveness. So we see Peter, he, he came to Jesus in verse 21. And he asked him, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. So here's Peter coming with this valid question, right? We may have this same question, you know. In the previous verses, we find Jesus teaching the disciples and the church how to confront and dis- be disciplined in the church. So that leads up to this very question. But Jesus makes it plain from verse 15 that if your brother or sister sins against you, Go. And tell him or her his fault between you and him alone. If he listens, you've gained your brother or your sister. If there's enough trust in community, is there enough trust in community for this, Jesus is encouraging his disciples to get ahead of the conflict and not allow wounds to fester. Because it's when the wounds fester that the hurt deepens more. So in verse 16, Jesus continues, but if he or she does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by one or two witnesses. This wise standard brings in the community when a matter is not cleared up just between one person or another person. So you need someone else to go to try to make amends. So this is a further plea for reconciliation and clarity. It's not always easy to follow and recognize the high need for this. Go to your brother or to your sister. They won't listen. Take someone else along, along with you. The last protocol is is this, verse 17. If he or she refuses, even after you've taken another brother or sister along, tell it to the church. And if he or she refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector by my Father in heaven. So the person that refuses to listen at this point is unrepentant and does not seek reconciliation and forgiveness that God offers in community, that God offers in the body of Christ. This is God's protocol This is how he wants us to come before each other and not let the wounds fester, but to understand the full extent of his forgiveness. And so Peter's question comes on the hill of that outline of how we confront each other and lovingly confront each other in the church. So Peter asks, how many times, Lord, how many times am I to forgive my brother or sister when they sin against me? So this unusual requirement uh, for some, because among, among the culture during those days, the, the rabbis, they believe that three times is enough. Someone intentionally sins against you, forgive them three times. After that, no more. It's three strikes you out. But Peter ups the ante, doesn't he? Maybe, you know, some scholars believe that he's attempting to, to be pious since he knows that Jesus is a righteous person. So he says, seven times, the number of completion. Regardless, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Whether it's 70 times or 77 times, Jesus makes it plain that in community, the extent of forgiveness towards another that is repentant is endless. It's a huge number. By the time you get to 60, right, you you should be able to keep going. You may have forgotten about the 59, right? You know, I see this idea of continual forgiveness all the time in parenting. You know, we try to teach our kids how to forgive each other, how to say they're sorry and and ask for forgiveness. It is difficult to extend that. I see my kids, you know, with what the Old Testament says, a stiff neck. They don't want to bend their hearts Towards asking for forgiveness. Gio, we you, you know, ask for forgiveness from your sister? And sometimes the answer is, no, I don't want to right now. I want to sulk in this. I feel hurt and I want to be vindicated. So I'm not going to forgive her. And so some, you know, they're playing together. You, You hear the laughter and the happiness, you know, when they're downstairs or outside. And then all of a sudden you hear, stop. Someone yells, stop. You know, they've grown tired of each other at that point. Maybe one has wrestled too hard to the other, but they've injured each other during that time. Got on each other's nerves during those times. So how can it be happy one minute and sad the next? How do they deal with the hurts of the past and that threat of emotional injury in the future? So like the kids, like us, right, we must wonder the same thing. How many times do I have to say, I'm sorry, or will you forgive me? How many times do we have to open our heart to this, the scary phenomenon and dynamic of asking for forgiveness or releasing somebody to forgive them? We have the same challenge. And then there are some questions, right? Do we have to forgive everyone for every offense? What if the offender is not sorry? What if there is a history of mistreatment? Does Jesus want us to let people take advantage of us? So valid. Jesus is indeed speaking of the household of faith believers, right? God has given us specific guidelines as highlighted earlier, how we are to move towards forgiveness and reconciliation. We don't have to go at it alone. So if a brother and sister sins against you and me and they repent, this is Jesus' instruction, forgive. Secondly, you know, if a person who is not a believer sins against us and shows remorse, we are to thank God that they showed that remorse and that we are to forgive them. We have to recognize this surely is God's coming grace for them because forgiveness is not, I mean, before the fall, natural, after the fall, not natural. So there are people in our families that do not have relationship with Christ as their savior. But see, the thing is, if you're like me, I want to hold them to the same standards as my brothers and sisters in Christ. So for those that do not sin against us and are not remorseful, we're called to forgive them. But we can't hold them to the same standards if they don't have a relationship with Christ. So we will probably not forget what's done when someone injures us. But the Lord makes it clear, you know, that we're, we're to, in Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, that we're taught here to get rid of all bitterness. Don't hold them in contempt. Get rid of all rage and anger, slander and brawling. Get rid of all the malice, anything that will put a wedge, a wall between you and that brother or sister. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God has forgiven you. So if God is in Christ, you know, and he if God in Christ has dealt with us in kind, we also are to deal with our family. The family of believers and non-believers in kind too. This is the kindness of God to sinners. Even from uh, Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love to us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That should be enough there to, for us to know we are to extend forgiveness to others. So we must remain in prayer for those that are not in the faith, that God would bring them into faith. But we also should remain in prayer that, that God would give us the continual strength by his spirit to extend forgiveness to everyone. Lastly, I want to talk a little bit here uh, on, under this topic about, you know, um, facing each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord. When we sin against one another and refuse to make amends for our actions, our inactions. So it becomes about stubbornness in the heart. Like I said earlier, it, it drives a wedge between our community. It's like that gangrene, right? It spreads and affects the other parts of the body. Things go around the rumor mill about what's happened and who's been hurt. So we are commanded to get rid of those things. Cut those things off at the head. If you need to take a brother or sister along, take them. But let's settle that quickly. So we must release our brother or a sister from the judgment and entrust them and ourselves and the entire situation into the hands of God. But see, what I want to do, I, I want to take revenge. I want vengeance. I don't want to enter my heart quickly and, and forgive. I don't want to loosen the grip on the control I have on them, right? To make them pay. But really, I'm paying. I'm sinning. I'm loosening, loosening the grip on seeing the reality, the extent of my forgiveness in the Lord. Because God says in Romans 12, for us not to take revenge, leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Still treat that brother as a brother. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So in our forgiving, look, we're not doormats, right? We're not saying we're going to let people walk all over us. But if someone ends up telling a fib or lying of some way, we're going to forgive the lie, Right? But it may take some time to build that trust up with that person. You know, I remember uh, growing up and receiving my little $2 allowance from my grandfather. And, uh, you know, that was a lot of money. But uh <laughs> received that little $2, just as happy as can be. And I had some uncles, right? They didn't necessarily like to work all the time. Uh, they just kind of hung around. I'm like, what are they doing around? They just need to get up and go do something. And they would end up uh, asking me for a dollar or two. I'm like, wait a minute. Something's wrong here. They're asking me for money. So I would, I would give them a dollar or two, believing that they were going to pay me back. I'll pay you back, they would say. But I never received payment back. And so I learned the hard way, right? Like, well... I, I want to be there for you. I don't want to become cynical in my gift towards you. Uh, Well, in the promise of you paying me back, really. I don't want to become cynical in that. But I I have to be watchful. Uh, I have to be watchful by what you say now. you know. And and maybe we need to have a talk about that. You say you're going to pay me back, but you haven't. So this time, I really need it back. However it shakes out. We have to continue to talk about these things, but forgiving the person, uh, but, but being watchful and prayerful about how we deal with them. So this is hard to do. This reality is so hard and so complex. Because in one sense, we, we release ourselves right from succumbing to falling short of God's glory or succumbing to just feeling heavy. On the other end, we can release our brother or sister from being heavy-hearted or getting away with the sin that they are trying to get away with. Forgiveness is huge, and it's a process, and it takes time, and we need each other for it. We can't do it, to, we can't do it alone, but we have to, in community, stay up front and, and talk about how we need to go to a brother or sister and take another person along To seek that type of grace in our community. So that's our, the extent is endless. It's unlimited. And Jesus gives us this motivation of forgiveness through this parable. Like I said, it's it's pretty simple. You know, he he illustrates it uh, to Peter and the disciples here through this story. He says, therefore, the the kingdom of heaven is like this king who wanted wanted to sell accounts. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents were brought to him. So the king took a look at his finances, and he realized there are some outstanding debt- debts that need to be paid up here. The first servant was brought in to the king. He owed him a lot of money, a whole lot, 10,000 talents. You know, what's the actual size of that debt? You know, one scholar asserts that, it, you know, one talent is equal to 6,000 silver coins, denarii, and a denarius is, is worth a day's wage. So this one talent, you know, equals 2,000 years' wage or 60 million days' wage. So this guy owed a lot. And, of course, in this story, Jesus is telling this story, it's a debt that he couldn't pay in his lifetime nor his children's lifetime. You know, it's deliberate hyperbole. It's endless. You can't pay it. But in the story, since he was not able to pay it, the king said, your life will pay it. Your wife's life, your children's life, and all that you have needs to be sold for the repayment of the debt. So he begs. He begs for mercy. And you begin to see the king's heart, how patient he was with him and how he forgave his debt. He took pity on him. It was gracious towards him. But then the story goes like this. In verse 28, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him less money. 100 denarii. It's, to get 100 denarii it probably took about four months to get, but a lesser amount. And what happened? What happened? His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged just like he did. Be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But at that point, the first servant should have immediately been motivated to extend mercy and grace because of what the king showed him. But instead, as Jesus tells the story, he refused. He went off and had him thrown into prison. At one point, it says he grabbed him and choked him as well, taking out his own vengeance on the man, putting his hands around his neck. Demanding, pay back what you owe when he had received so much mercy and grace. And so it shook the community up. As you see in verse 31, the servants saw what happened. They were greatly distressed. Greatly distressed. This guy had been forgiven much, much, but he forgives little. And so they went, they cried out to the master and they told him what happened. And, of course, the master calls him back in. And he said, "You, shouldn't, have, you shouldn't, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? So in his anger, the master did this, turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back what he owed. So Jesus gives us the key to this, this parable, the key of this interpretation, like we've been saying all along. This is how my heavenly father would treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Jesus is highlighting how important, how vital it is for us as a community to be motivated to extend this type of forgiveness that God has given us. Because if we do not, we cease being a community. We cease being connected to one another. We cease growing together and flourishing. It may feel good to hold on to unforgiveness in your heart as if you're powerful and in control. But Jesus is saying, no, you're moving backwards. You're moving away from community. You're moving away from me. You're moving away from the heart of God. Because to forgive is to be more like Christ. To not forgive is to be more like the flesh, the world, the devil. The evil one. So when you forgive, you release your own soul. You're free to live in Jesus without holding somebody in contempt. You see the image? Holding. It's a lot to carry if you haven't forgiven somebody in your heart. We don't, know, we don't always know how to do that. But we have others that can help us. See, this is, this is Jesus' command for those who are in Christ. Forgive. Because when you do, you begin to see how much I have forgiven you. If you don't, you will see little of my mercy and grace. You will see little of my fellowship with you. You will see little of your brother and sister. And their hearts for you. And you will make much of the little speck that is in their eye. When you have this whole plank in your eye. So it's very important that we see what God is doing here through his mercy that he want us to extend forgiveness to the fullest extent into eternity to one another. And He want us to be motivated by the heart of God, but he want us to see the heart of forgiveness that he has for us. That we will forgive from our hearts with all sincerity, not just in word or appearing to forgive in order to do this. We do have to face the depth of brokenness that the forgiveness has brought about in our community. We also have to face the injury of how we have been wronged by a brother or a sister. At times, this is, like I said, this is too hard to bear. Who wants to open the lid of sorrow? Who wants to be exposed by the shame of the injury? Who wants that? But see, we have to look at it, right? Because what God is doing, he's bringing us closer to the cross to see Jesus who bled and died on our behalf, to see his brokenness, to see Jesus, the one who hung on the cross, to see Jesus, the one who was choked out on the cross. God grabbed him and God crushed him, his body on the cross, his soul on the cross. And we have to see him there because if we, if we don't see him, then we don't know the ascent to what, that he went, that we may be forgiven of our sins by God. We would not know the justice of God that is repaid in Jesus Christ. We wouldn't know the love of God that is extended from Jesus Christ, from the cross. So we have to see God's heart here. We have to begin to let go of the wickedness of our own hearts towards unforgiveness. So never are we more like God than when we forgive, but never are we more like the even one when we withhold forgiveness from one another. God wants us to be that forgiving community here, disciples of him that forgive one another on the foundation of his forgiveness towards us. This is what we have to do as a community we have to face the brokenness, and we have to face our part of how we wronged one another. And we have to have conversations with each other about this and not letting it go, but coming and relishing in the grace of God on our behalf that he did extend his grace to us. You know, I, I, one of my friends, you know, that I had, this was some time ago now, um, I had an opportunity just to hang out with him. He was an older gentleman, someone who loved the Lord. You know, one of those guys where you're around him, you just, you know, he's oozing like grace in the Holy Spirit, that type of thing. Love the Lord. And, you know, he told me a story about when he was thinking about moving into ministry, uh, he and his family didn't have much. But he knew God was calling him into ministry. So he took out a whole lot of debt to to go to college, never had been to college before. And then he took out more debt to move into seminary. And so he went through seminary, working jobs, providing for not just his family, but for his mother-in-law as well. And then he he, uh, was in a class, his last class in seminary. And he was talking to a, a gentleman next to him. And for some reason, they began to talk about the great debt that we owe to God, and that's paid in Jesus in that class. And then my friend mentioned something about his own student debts of about nearly $100,000 during that time. And the guy just, you know, with the somber face, just looked at him and said, I can take care of that for you. Matter of fact, I will take care of that for you. And of course, my friend looked at him like, What? Are you serious? You will take care of that for me. And he did. And he was just free to move into the ministry because he thought he may have to take a year off or something. But he didn't have to do that. He was free to move towards God now and the call of God in his life and the things that God had for him. Because this guy lifted the debt. Isn't that what Jesus does for us? He removes the debt. The debt has been paid, we're ransomed by him, bought by him, and he brings us close to the Father's heart so that we would know this grace and mercy, that we would extend it to any and everyone. Again, it's a process. Even Jesus had to go through the process, didn't he? He was in Gethsemane questioning, God, is there some other way that this cup can pass from me? Maybe we we're like that too, Right? When it's time to forgive others. God, is there some other way? It feels like they're getting off. I want justice. And he tells us to look to the cross. Look at what Jesus has paid on your behalf. That's the way. That's the truth. That's the life. This is grace for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have wiped our slates clean You have forgiven us endlessly. And Father, teach us how to continue to forgive others. Move in a direction where we are forging our lives together by faith through your grace. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.